everyone, and welcome to the Sojourn College podcast, where we engage in God's Word in a way that transforms us. I'm Kyle, and I'm on staff here at Sojourn College, and today I have as a guest uh, Josh Rothschild, the mm. pastor of Reach Ministries here at Sojourn Midtown. Hey, all you um, cool cats and kittens out there. <laughs> it's Carol. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, this is going to be a fun, <laughs> fun time. Uh, so for those of you who didn't know, uh, Josh, most of y'all know who Josh is. He used to be... Uh, here with us at Sojourn College, and now he's moved on to bigger and better things. But uh, we're we're glad to to have him here with us. So, Josh, you want to say anything about yourself? Sure. Um, well, we just finished Tiger King, so that's one yeah. thing about us. <laughs> and let me tell you, that is wild. It's wild. It is wild. It is wild. Um, let's see. Uh, married to Amanda, we have been married since 2012, and been at Sojourn since then. Uh, like Kyle said, I. I um, originally came on staff as the director of Sojourn College and now um, transitioned to mainly do community groups uh, at Midtown in general. But we have three children. We have Caroline, who's five, Wells, who's two and a half, and then Cam, who was born in December. So we just narrowly got that stimulus, $500 nice. for him. Nice. If he, if he had been <laughs> clinging on to the uterus for a little oh, longer, man. we would not have that. So. Uh. Good deal. Good deal. Good deal. All right. So we're picking back up in uh, James chapter five today. And uh, Josh, do you want to give us uh, just a quick overview of what's going on in chapter five and how uh, James has structured that passage to communicate uh, some main points? Yeah. So I, you know, I've, I've been listening along with everybody else. Everybody has has said that uh, James is using a, a style of writing that's very reminiscent of the wit wisdom literature and. Mm-hmm. Um, Back in Jesus's time and earlier, rabbis would use this form of communication that they likened it to uh, pearls on a string, where they kind of um, hopped around for, uh, to different topics. And so James is similarly hopping around, but the string, uh, to follow that metaphor, is is following a lot of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. And so, um, you know, the, the topics that James covers are in this chapter are warnings against rich, uh, talking about patience and waiting on the Lord, mm-hmm. and also prayer. And it, if you recall, it, it, we went through, what was it like? I mean, we're in the Matthew series, mm-hmm. uh, but probably six months ago, we were in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and uh, if you read along, you'll probably hear phrases and words that that um, sound familiar, right? And James mm-hmm. is doing that on purpose. But for example... Um, Matthew 6 verse 20 says, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. And that's like, um, he, he almost in, in five verse two, it says your wealth has rotted and your clothes are moth eaten. So it's clearly an allusion to that. Mm. Another example of that is, is verse uh, 12 in, in, in this passage in James. Uh, he writes above all my brothers and sisters, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. And again, that's like almost a verbatim um, quote of Jesus in Matthew 5. He says, but let your yes mean yes and your no mean yo. Mm-hmm. no. And so uh, I think James is writing assuming that the believers uh, are familiar with Jesus' words on uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and so he's mm-hmm. he's he's uh, kind of going through, through them and, and recontextualizing them for them. Yeah, yeah that, that's really neat because I think a lot of times we, as we read like other uh, New Testament literature like Paul, we see these as letters like almost attached from Jesus mm. in a way. And so it's really neat to read 
um, this wisdom literature and thinking about like in light of the Sermon on the Mount, James is really just like teaching very similar to Jesus, right? And just like in line with Jesus in that way. Yeah, um, totally. What specifically do you want us to uh, to get from chapter five today? There are three main things that jumped out at me, and I think they have a lot to say, honestly, about, I mean, let me back up. God's word always has things to say about <laughs> our life, but these extra have things to say, mm-hmm. um, uh, considering the, the pandemic. So if, you know, when Kyle blows up and he's like this podcast phenom yeah, right. and people are like, man, my life goal is just to listen to every podcast Kyle has ever done. And they're, if this the year's like 2035, um, and you're listening to this, this is, we're in the middle of a pandemic, right? And everybody is socially isolated and, um, life right now looks a lot different than it did mm-hmm. two months ago. And life two months from now will look a lot different than it does right now. Mm-hmm. Um, our world has, has shifted dramatically. And I think James has just as every wisdom literature and scripture has timeless truths that are helpful in all circumstances. I think James's words are, here are especially helpful for us. And so just real quickly, the three things I want to go through are one, James is saying that wealth is deceitful and it's also dangerous. Uh, this, the second thing is he's calling us to be patient in the midst of suffering. And then lastly, uh, James is reminding us of the power and the effectiveness of prayer. So that's kind of what I want to go through mm-hmm. today. Sounds good. Let's unpack Let's unpack it. So you want to start off with... Uh, just talking about the dangers and of wealth and uh, just the warning that, that James gives us here. Yeah, why don't you read the first uh, six verses of James 5? Yeah, definitely. It says this, James 5, uh, starting in verse 1. Come now, you, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver have corroded. Their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvest have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on earth, on the earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. In the narrow sense, James is, is talking directly to people who are using their wealth to oppress and take advantage of other people. Mm-hmm. He's talking about, um, you know, verse 4, look, you, the pay that you withheld from the workers who mowed your fields cries out. Mm-hmm. And um, he's using a lot of words that, like, are reminiscent of the, of the prophets. He's saying, weep and wail over your, minis- uh, your miseries that mm-hmm. are coming on you. And so um, he's, he's speaking directly to them. But... I, th- I think, you know, for most of uh, Sojourn College, you probably don't fit in the category of wealthy people who are taking advantage of your employees, and mm-hmm. hopefully you won't be in that uh, position. Mm-hmm. But I think, again, with wisdom literature, there are, are principles and truths about money here that apply to us, and I think are really helpful um, to, to consider right now. Um, the first of that is that money is a false sense of security. And again, this is kind of going off of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount where, um, and he's echoing those words, your wealth has rotted and your clothes are moth-eaten. There's a sense when we have um, wealth, and we call it financial security. Mm -hmm. That's like a a word that we use. Um, There's a sense when we have a couple more zeros in our bank account than other people, we feel that our station in life is more secure. 
-hmm. we feel like we're immune from um, uncertainty or sickness or we can control uh, the things around us. And I mean, like uh, this morning, I logged in onto uh, Wall Street Journal and they were saying that 20 million people have filed for unemployment over the past three weeks. Mm. And that is, in the history yep. of our country, that is staggering. And, and the fact of the matter is that um, there was one microscopic virus that made a jump from an animal to a human in Wuhan. And uh, that little virus in this country all the way across the world has now um, shattered people's mm -hmm. financial security. And it's not just, I mean, it's mainly impacting uh, blue collar and, um, you know, um, waiters, waitresses, uh, baristas, these people. Mm -hmm. But but the stock market is, is extremely uh, unstable right now. And so everybody, it, people's retirements are, has just been demolished. And so this is this is what James is talking about like the he could have he could rewrite that instead of saying your your uh wealth has rotted and your clothes are moth eaten you, he could say your 401k has been infected by the coronavirus mm. and it's no longer there you know mm -hmm. um so he's he's warning not to uh place your security in something that's inherently insecure mm. and then secondly um he's saying that wealth is dangerous because it enables our hearts to achieve what it desires. Mm. And this can be a really good thing. Like people who are very wealthy and very generous, like that's a beautiful thing. But the, the reality is that even the best of us have hearts that desire evil things. And so when you have a lot of money, you are more able to obtain those evil things uh, than other people, mm, mm -hmm. you know, and, and yep. so, um, it's like steroids, like your muscles can only achieve so much, but when you have, when you are taking steroids, your muscles can take more and you can use those muscles for, for good or for, or for harm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the, the, the fact that is in verse five, he says, you have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. It reminded me of a book by, um, uh, Russell Moore. He wrote a book called tempted and tried, and he describes, uh, the 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 way sin leads us down a path just like a calf on the way to slaughter, and the way the, this works is um, in in slaughterhouses. You, you can think like calves are completely unsuspecting, mm -hmm. and the the ranch hands are are leading them along, and they have no idea what where they're headed, um, and you can't like herd them quickly or freak them out because I forget which stress hormone, but if the stress hormone is released um, and it's in the muscles of the cow, when it's slaughtered, the meat actually is more tense. It's mm -hmm. not as good quality. And so they have to like keep the cows as docile and um, as blind to their impending doom as possible. And they lead them along. And so James is saying that, you know, like the, the wealth of, of the, and, and the luxurious living is is fattening them up for the slaughter like it's preparing mm. them for their for their uh coming judgment and so he's warning them i mean it's almost like a, like a wake-up call it's like you've rocked yourself to sleep and oh yeah like like this false sense of security that you've built up is really just like yeah he's just saying like you're asleep like like wake up and see your reality and i think about like the the house that's built on the sand right and like on the surface you have this this nice you know house that seems like it has everything together 
uh, but under the surface yep. is this this foundation that's ultimately going to crumble and just bring about destruction. Yeah, which is why I think the virus, this pandemic, the, and the coming financial crisis is actually it, it should be viewed as a blessing mm-hmm. because it's not as if we have just recently started putting our hope in in security and and um, you know luxury mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. comfort. This has always been true for us. Yeah. And now we're seeing It's that just pulling clearly. back the curtain right. of something that's been exactly. there the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's good. So that's the first thing. Um, second thing I think is really important is uh, that James is calling us to be patient in the midst of suffering. So Kyle, would you mind reading um, that section starting in verse 7? Yeah. It says this, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by an oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. You know, this is, I think this is flowing from the previous section. So previously he was warning against the unjust managers, bosses who were taking advantage of their uh, subjects, their Mm -hmm. employees. Now he's talking about the employees and the the Christian, uh, the brothers and sisters who are suffering at the hand of an unjust manager. Um, he's telling them to patiently endure. You know, there's there's a, a few imperatives here. I think one is really interesting. He tells them not to complain, and he doesn't say don't complain about your manager, which I think I would have mm-hmm. assumed he would have written. But he he actually says don't complain against one another. I think it's so insightful that suffering has the tendency to pit uh, us against one another, and it can cause divisions uh, in the home and in the church that don't like when you take a step back it's like why would they complain against each other the the source of their suffering is not one another the source of their suffering is the unjust boss but mm-hmm. i think like there's a tendency when we are suffering to to make the other whoever is right next to you your enemy i was reading an article in bloomberg and and it it was saying that the the domestic violence rate in china has multiplied Mm. Um, and and they're ahead of us a little bit and so china is we're just now kind of people kind of coming out of the cave so to speak Um, another another thing the article said is that they're they're having record high divorce filings and so when people are experiencing the stressors of of this virus um, of finances of just like the anxiety that comes with isolation the result is that we tend to turn on one another rather than turning to the Lord. Mm. Um, and James is, is, is warning against that. He, another thing he says is, he says, count, um, he says, verse 11, see, we count as blessed those who have endured. So he's telling us to, to actually reshape rather than thinking, oh, those who are suffering are cursed. Like mm. Americans and the world are, this is a, a bad time to live right now. He's actually saying, no, suffering, um, we should consider that uh, those who suffer as blessed. And then he goes on to say, um, you have heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. So actually, when 
the best opportunity we have to see God's character is when we are suffering. The best chance mm. we can have to see that God is compassionate and he's merciful and he draws near to us in our weakness, um, we have to be weak in, mm. order, in order to see that, um, which mm. is why he says to consider those who suffer blessed. Because when we do suffer and we do it with patience, like he's, he's mm. urging the believers, um, we get to experience the presence of God in a way that we weren't, wouldn't have otherwise. Mm. Concern for myself as well as for everybody listening to this and just our church in general is that we are going to miss the opportunity to experience God's blessing as a result of the suffering that we're experiencing. And I think mm. there's different ways that we can approach suffering. Um, one way is to do it well. Mm-hmm. where we, we, we're not dismissing our pain and our worries and our anxieties, but we're using that as a, um, a driver to, to go towards Jesus. And he, we're in a situation where like, he actually has to be our savior. Mm. Like he actually has to come through and be our, our foundation and our rock. And, and he will come through and be those things for us. And on the other end, we will, we will cherish that relationship more sweetly. Mm-hmm. But if we, I think there's a way that we are, can be impatient with our suffering. And, and that would be, um, rather than patiently enduring and running to Jesus, that would be um, distracting ourselves and numbing the pain and the anxiety that we're feeling. Mm-hmm. And so that can look like a lot of different things. That could look just simply like just endlessly watching Netflix and binge watching or reading, you know, whatever our favorite series is or... It can also look like falling into, um, you know, a, a, a pit of sin mm-hmm. um, and being swallowed up in, in an addiction that we, you know, are normally trying to keep this little lion locked up in, in a mm-hmm. side room, but it's burst out mm-hmm. and there's nobody else in our house to protect us from it. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think if we do this well, if we patiently endure the suffering that we see here, um, I think it will be a beautiful thing for us, for our church and for us individually. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say, I, I think it's, it's a really interesting connection, the, how James connects the command to be patient to like do not grumble and dispute and how like complaining, like being a complainer is really like mm. a sign of impatience, mm-hmm. right? It's like impatient people complain, you know, like why is this taking so long, this, yeah. that, and the other. Yeah. And so like if you find that, that that's your heart's disposition, I think that'll be like a good place to then like, have a yeah have a time for examination and saying okay if I'm like complaining a lot um, how can um, how can I grow in patience um, and what were those things that you said like how do we do that like how do we patiently suffer suffer well like from this passage yeah well I think that's a really important point like basically he says be patient until the Lord's coming mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about our the Midtown staff team. And uh, the pastors, we've been talking a lot about, like, how do we lead the staff well during the season, knowing that everybody's spring break has been wiped away and their summer plans or vacation. And so there's something about knowing the end, there's a finish line coming here mm-hmm. that lets you um, push hard till the end, right? Yeah. But when yeah. that finish line is, you don't, you, you're not sure or you don't even believe it's there, mm-hmm. you lose hope really easily. There's something about, like, in the gym... I'm kind of a weirdo in the gym. <laughs> you wouldn't know that. No, I wouldn't. You would never know I'm a I'm, weirdo. <laughs> there's been there's been moments where I, I've seen your Few weirdness kind between. of bleed through, Josh. <laughs> but 
like literally I'll walk in the gym and I got my AirPods on. I'm not actually saying this, but I'll, I look at everybody. I'm like, I'm going to outwork the crap. <laughs> like you, I'm going to be the, the hardest working person. Yeah. And there's a something, you know, I'm like, okay, I got 30 minutes in this bad boy. And the last five minutes, I know there's only five more minutes. So I'm just, just crushing that elliptical, <laughs> you know? And the thing's like wobbling, like, wah, 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 you know, I'm just killing it. But there's something about knowing there's an end. And so James is saying, like, the Lord is coming back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, that is as certain. No, no, that is more certain than the sun rising tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so because we know that, we can endure. And we can say, like, oh, this pandemic is going to end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe. Maybe there's going to be another pandemic in, like, three months. Yeah. Yeah, we don't. We uh, that's not a great thing uh, to put our hope in. But but the the reality is that Jesus is coming back. He will make all things new. There will no longer be any pandemics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like we will dwell in perfect health and full joy, yeah, and total security um, for the rest of eternity. Mm-hmm. And knowing that that's coming allows us to in these moments where we're lonely and feeling defeated like we can press on because Jesus is the one who's going to pull us through the finish line, not ourselves. Mm-hmm. So that's the mm-hmm. second thing. So number three, uh, this is, a, again, another really important thing. Mm-hmm. James is calling us to think about the power and the effectiveness of prayer. So, mm-hmm. Kyle, would you mind picking up on verse uh, 13? Yeah, definitely. It says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. If anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and in heaven gave rain, and earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. I think he's kind of like, you can you can track his thought process. He's saying, mm-hmm. uh, just manager causes believers to suffer, so suffer well. But mm-hmm. then he, he opens this, is anyone among you suffering? Mm-hmm. And so he's saying like, what does patience look like? Pa- part of patience looks like praying. Mm-hmm. Um, and that leads him into thinking, what do Christians do when they're sick? Mm-hmm. And he, it's, it's super interesting. He says that Christians should take them to their pastors. We should take those people to the, the elders of the church and have them pray over them and anoint them with oil. Um, and he's saying that, uh, you know, there will be healing can come, can come of that. Um, I think my interpretation as our church's interpret, uh, our pastor's interpretation is that oil here is is a symbol, and it you can mm-hmm. do a word study and go deep into how oil anointing has been used throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. But I think it's a symbol um, because we're told to pray in the name of uh, the Lord of Jesus mm-hmm. in Jesus' name. And so by saying that, you're putting your hope not in the oil, but in the name of the person you're praying in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about this before we started recording. I think there's a difference between magic and spiritual power. Um, I We love stories. Of ma- I love Harry Potter. Huge Harry Potter fan. I'm trying to think of what other magic stories I like. 
Narnia. Is there magic in Narnia? Yeah, yeah the yeah, White yeah, Witch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah, yeah. So Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Is there magic in Lord of the Rings? Gandalf, bro. He's got. He's a wizard. Yeah, but it's it's like high magic and low okay, magic or whatever. Yeah. Anyways, okay. Anyway. <laughs> so, anyways, we all we all love magic, um, and I think it's because when when Harry like. You're a wizard, Harry. Like he, he, <laughs> he you gotta say it. He, you gotta say it. When he um, has his wand, and in fact, he doesn't even need his wand. Like he has the ability to control, and um, he has manipulate power to manipulate. Will. Yeah, what is around him? That is in and of itself. What this passage um, is saying it like pastors don't have magic. Um, so, newsflash. <laughs> I know that some, there's like some rumors going around. Yeah, that, that's right. But. <laughs> But pastors don't because there is no um, power in and of the pastors or the oil. Like the oil mm-hmm. does not contain the power. The power is in the name of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it's up to Jesus. Like he can decide if he wants to grant healing or not. Mm-hmm. It's not the power is not in the oil. And so it's not as if we just put the oil on it and, and they'll they'll be healed. Um, and, and so, yeah. And I think the implication then is if you don't. If they don't bring the sick person mm-hmm. to the pastors to pray, the implication then is that that person would not be healed. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's that's something huge that I think I, I want Sojourn College to be. Um, I want us to be like a ministry, a college ministry that is dependent upon the Lord like in prayer, like above all else. Just realizing that like the power to save, the power to see lives transformed like is not in and of ourselves. And I think from what you're saying though is, is crucial that like our prayers matter, like our heart posture of like dependence on the Lord and like us praying for people to come to know Jesus and praying to see lives change. Like if we don't pray, like there's, this is really hard for me to say because like I want to emphasize God's sovereignty and we, we do, we equally emphasize God's sovereignty, but also realizing that like if we don't pray, the implications here that like the person won't be healed, mm. you know, and just realizing that like our prayers matter in God's sovereign plan mm-hmm. um, and God sovereignly works through the prayers of his people. Um, and so I think that's something we really need to walk away with today. Yeah. As I read this, I sense this in my own heart. And I think this is probably true of you who's listening to this. We get weirded out mm-hmm. by this bringing sick people to the pastors to, to pray for them, mm-hmm. which does happen. Like people have like We've brought after services, me and several other pastors on multiple occasions have prayed for people who are sick. And again, we're doing it in the name of Jesus. We're crying out to him to mm-hmm. bring healing. But we we get weirded out by that. Um, but I think that's really inconsistent with our belief in the Easter story. Mm-hmm. Because if Jesus really did, if he was a man and he like he, he really had no pulse, and his blood pressure was zero, and um, his his skin was beginning to decay. And then on Sunday, somehow he breathed again mm-hmm. after not breathing, and and he somehow his his muscles uh, you know tightened, and he got out of bed or not out of bed. Um, what what do, you, what do you think he was <laughs> off stone? His cot? I don't know. Yeah. He got off of something. Um, if we believe that's true, then like this, what James is saying is totally within the realm of possibility, mm-hmm. because that mm-hmm. means we have a king who is more powerful than death itself. Um, and an argument from greater to lesser says, 
well, therefore, he also has power, power over sickness, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, I don't know. I, I, I just wonder, like, why do I, why do I get squeamish over, like, mm-hmm. uh, praying for healing versus mm-hmm. um, why do I not get squeamish over the resurrection? And I wonder also, maybe it has something to do with, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, like, if we pray for somebody who's sick and they don't get sick, the disappointment that comes with that. Yeah, what does that say? Does that mean that I didn't have that prayer of faith? Like, mm-hmm. does that mean there's something deficient in my faith? Mm-hmm. Or does that mean there's de- something deficient in my God? Mm-hmm. Right? Does yep. that mean he's not able to save? And I think um, we're, we get really weird, uh, worried about boxing our, our faith into those mm-hmm. things, you know? But and then I feel like we just end up treating prayer as this kind of, like, sentiment of just, like, oh, thoughts and prayers. Like, mm-hmm. it's just something you're supposed to just... And we always end, well, we just pray, like, Lord, let your will be done. And yes, like that is true, but like that should not deter us from like being confident in our father who like wants to give good gifts to those who ask. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, in the narrow sense, right? Like he's talking about praying for sickness, but the implication here is like, if this is true, then we should be praying about everything, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? We should be praying about the virus going yeah. away. We should be praying for our parents who are not believers. We should be praying for, you know. Those who are experiencing the, loneliness, sadness. Yeah, and like, and, and knowing that, like, God chooses to work in and through those prayers. Yeah. And we do that with confidence as well as humility. Mm-hmm. Confidence knowing that Jesus rose from the grave, so he's able to accomplish it. Mm-hmm. But with humility knowing that, like, it's in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not God. We can't. We're, we don't have the magic to accomplish it. We're humbly bringing our requests with confidence mm-hmm. to the king of all creation. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's really good. All right. Do you want to just sum up real quick those uh, those three points that you want us to, to walk yeah, away with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just one, short. one is wealth is deceitful and dangerous. Two is a call to be patient in suffering. And then thirdly is just that there is power in prayer. Um, and so if there's you know, two things I want you guys, two questions I want you guys to wrestle through and and consider. Um, One would be, as you examine like just the past week or two weeks, what, what does suffering look like for you? Like when you feel the pressure uh, of discomfort or isolation or anxiety, what is your um, gut reaction to that feeling? And I think for most of us, myself included, we run to distraction before we run to Jesus. And again, this is this is a great opportunity to to see what has always been true of ourselves, mm-hmm. and an opportunity to repent of that and to cry out to Jesus. So, and and then the second thing is, I just want you to reflect on how has your prayer life changed since the pandemic has started? Have you been <clears throat> filling up your prayer journal or has mm-hmm. your prayer life flatlined mm-hmm. and and ask yourself um what does your prayer life say about your belief in god's uh desire and willingness to answer your prayers mm-hmm. so those are the two questions i want you to consider yeah that's really good thanks josh all right y'all well that wraps up our james series with james chapter five and um we're gonna be taking a break with the podcast for about the next two or three weeks uh but then we'll be continuing back up in the summer and so i'm excited to see what that will look like but um you've been listening to the sojourn college podcast where we engage in god's word in a way that transforms us what what, what? what? <laughs> all right we'll see y'all